Orale! Bienvenidos and welcome to the Familia FP Podcast. This is your host, Jorge Martin Familia. We're doing a little bit early tonight because, well, you know, there's this thing going on, you know, in about, a, in about oh, a little less than an hour, you know, that, that whole baseball thing that you guys sometimes hear me talk about on this show. But uh, yeah, that World Series is coming up. But you know what? Right now we are live. We are live on YouTube. Please give us a like and subscribe, por favor. That'd be really appreciated. Uh, our numbers, our, our numbers do continue to grow. But hey, you know what? Just don't stop till you get enough. And I'm never going to get enough people watching this show. So por favor, please give it, keep giving us a like and subscribe. And also make sure another place where you're going to get uh, a great subscription. Go to fantasypoints.com. Make sure you get that. Use the promo code 22 familia 10. Or if you want to do it in, in Espanol, 22 familia 10. Uh, you're going to get 10% off the already reduced price. That's 25% off. And you just get some of the best of the best you get. I mean, uh, John Hansen, you got Joe Dolan, Graham Barfield. I mean, gosh, all these friends of the shows, Wes Huber, Scott Barrett, Tom Brawley. I mean, just so many great. And our invitado de lujo is also, you might see him there every once in a while. And so I'm just going to, I'm just going to bring him in right now. I mean, familia, it's, you know, it's too easy to call him, uh, you know, to, to, to uh, steal the nickname from that that Jake Plummer quarterback and call him Jake the Snake. I'm going to call him Jake the Rake because he rakes in the money on DFS. He's a return guest on uh, on this, and he's also a, a proud member of the Fantasy Points Familia. Uh, you know, earlier this year we talked a little best ball, and I really learned so much, and I actually dived into it. And, and for the summer, it was probably my favorite way of drafting, and I just had a blast. So uh, my invitado, Jake Tribby, I just am, thank you so much. Uh, I, gracias for that he has been a writer for fantasy points for some time now and and he is already one of their leading dfs analysts uh during the season uh his content really is something that i make sure to take in especially that early look that he gives at the beginning of the week when you're still kind of getting out of the kind of like the rubble of the weekend before he gives you he's already on top of it with that one so i mean just a great great mind i mean he's just one of the rising stars in uh the fantasy community joe dolan has called him his protege for some time though i don't know if that means that he's going to have to adopt the phillies as his favorite team and start running up the steps in, in philadelphia on the rocky statue so uh i'm just going to give a big bienvenido muchas gracias for joining us to our amigo jake tribby jake como estas doing well doing well really appreciate you having me on and yeah i'm excited to talk through uh talk through all these trades a big you know it's a big time changing landscape in the nfl right now so uh it'd be hard to remember who's even on what team but i'm excited to get some <laughs> You know, it's funny. I, I, I've, uh, I was, I was tweeting a little bit about this yesterday, saying that uh, I'll take the, uh, I will take the, the uh, Major League Baseball trade deadline over the NFL, and also the NBA's trade deadline over the NFL. But um, the NFL caught up a lot. Uh, but I will say the NFL and the NBA win the win the whole offseason because they they just they, the NFL wins every offseason because they're really because of them there is no offseason. But uh, baseball drags on forever. NBA, it's kind of like everything happens really quick. The draft and and free agency is done in like a week, and then it's like everything goes to, goes to bed for the summer. But the football, everything is is perfect. And you, I mean, I, I mentioned your your content on your DFS content on fantasy points. I mean, how, how has it been uh, treating you so far this year? Yeah, it's been it's been pretty up and down for me this season, as you know, it always tends to be when, you know, you only play uh, large field tournaments like I do. 
I had a really strong week two. I was all over, uh, you know, to his 40 point performance, oh, but yes. unfortunately I didn't double stack him enough with, uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. So I'm still, still chasing a tournament takedown for, for this season. Um, but yeah, overall the season's been, been pretty solid so far. Obviously, you know, you kind of need those, those tournament rent wins to really make your year. Um, but yeah, you know, still, still a long way to go. And I'm, I'm, I'm fairly happy with the way I've, I've played things so far. Obviously, it doesn't help that I tend to get pretty contrarian at, at quarterback most weeks. And, you know, the, the chalk quarterbacks have just been smashing over and over again. We talked a little bit pre-show about how, you know, there are some real power law guys at the quarterback position, especially Josh Allen. But, you know, you could throw Jalen Hurts in there, even Joe Burrow when, you know, the Bengals are throwing with, a, you know, 20% over their, their, uh, their expectation. So, um, yeah, but I'm, you know, I'm going to stick with my strategy of uh, mostly mostly getting contrarian at, at quarterback and, uh, yeah, just chasing volume at wide receiver and tight end. Um, and, yeah, you know, that's always led to good results for me in the past. So, uh, yeah, always get excited for, for another week of DFS, no matter how things have been going, going previously. No, I hear you on that 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 week, too. I didn't have two of that week. I, I kind of – it felt like, the, for me, the first month I was warming up. Mm-hmm. And then, like uh, – and then what we, it was weeks, like, five to eight. I started to make some moves. Uh, you know, I started placing in a couple of uh, – I was playing some small GPPs with a lot of other analysts where I know everybody's really, really good. So yeah. winning – I won one week. It was 25 people, but, I mean, it was just like – I, I knew I knew who I was beating. And so mm-hmm. I was just like that. That's that that almost felt as good as taking a taking down a large sale tournament. I will tell you, I had uh, I didn't tell you this before the show because I, th- I wanted to spring it the uh, last Sunday night. Uh, during the, I, I did a I did a uh, $10. I think I think it was like uh, at the th- the 1.2 million uh, yeah. tournament. And I was in going into the fourth quarter, I was three points from first place. Ooh. And I had I had all the same players, mm-hmm. uh, except I had Allen in the, the captain spot. The person I, the person who was in first place had um, had digs in the, in the captain spot. Mm-hmm. And I had all the same players except our last player. I had Jake Cromero and he and that person had jo, uh, Josiah DeGuara and he caught a ball for 1.9 and and that's that's the difference right i mean like that that's the thing like showdown it really is like you're only a player or two away i mean i had when the dolphins played the steelers in in prime time i believe that was that was week seven um i had oh yes i I had a lineup that was tied for first place and in all the single entry contests and i was i was winning a pretty good sum of money with a couple minutes left and then on the final steelers drive pat fryermuth catches two passes and i went from winning I think it was five or six K to winning like 40 bucks. And yeah, I mean, that's just the way showdown goes though. Um, and it can be, it can be super tilting, which is why I generally prefer playing main slate, but I have made showdown a, a priority and I'm, I'm having a pretty decent, you know, single game season so far. So I can't be too upset. Yeah. I, I got, I got so full of myself cause I did, I, yeah, I won all the $30. So yeah. uh, it was, it was great, you know, cause then a couple, a couple other guys, then uh, I think who was it? Uh, Aaron Jones and the kicker. Uh, kicked something at the end but uh then i just played played on monday night football and just got my doors knocked in because i i thought joe mixon was going to be the call and uh yeah wasn't. i i actually ended up having a a, a decent monday night football I, I i was pretty close to break even despite having 70 percent joe mixon cats and exposure across 150 lineups it was yeah i I guess I nailed every other spot. Like if Mixon had had a decent game, I, I would have done really well. And it was super frustrating. I tweeted out the next day that he had the best, by expected fantasy points, he had the best workload 
of any player in that game by I think two or three, like two or three expected fantasy points. And he just continues to underperform. And, you know, you could maybe argue that that's just who he is now. He's last in uh, yards after contact per attempt among running backs. The Bengals offensive line isn't great at run blocking, but really, I mean, he just, he looks like he hasn't seen the field very well. And um, yeah, he might just be one of those guys, sort of like how Austin Eckler and uh, Alvin Kamara always exceed their expectation. Joe Mixon might just be a guy who always falls below his expectations. And yeah, and they and they just might be a team that just needs to to pass the ball and that that that's the yeah. big thing you know just a big shout out to Albert our one of our regulars Alberto como estas welcome welcome thank you for joining us uh, yeah and it, it's it's uh, uh, oh I'm gonna give uh, oh by the way any trends that you're seeing that need to be exploited kind of that that you've seen recently that may be something to be exploited in the near to maybe rest of the season near future to rest season. Yeah. I mean, we talked a bit about how, you know, the most popular quarterbacks do seem to be, be hitting at a higher rate. That's, that's not something that I would fully bank on being sustained, especially in like the largest field GPPs. I, I do think it's, it's very worthwhile to get contrarian at, at quarterback. And um, you know, if you, if you are going to chase the the chalk quarterbacks, I, I mean, I think the way to do that is to really mix up who you're, who you're stacking them with. Um, so like those would, those would be some of the bigger trends. Um, you know, beyond that, I still think the, the game is kind of largely the same as, as years past. Um, but yeah, I think, I think people might get a little too ahead of themselves on thinking like, oh, you know, it seems like every week the, the quarterback is 15 or 20% owned goes off. That's just not always going to be true. Um, so I think especially if you're playing large field stuff, you know, 50,000 entries or more, it, it, it'll definitely still pay to get creative at quarterback. I, th- I think you're right. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, Unless you've got, uh, oh my goodness, Primo Nicolas uh, in the house, in the house, one of the, one of our uh, one of our regular one of our regulars for uh, a long time, and he was on a couple weeks ago, and then we had some technical difficulties. Primo, much love, Primo. He's number one, Primo. I'm number three. Uh, but you know what? It's uh, yeah, pay, paying up at the quarterback. You know what? I feel like I, I feel like what's been helping has been seeing some of those rookie running backs uh, to be kind of like economical. Uh, recently, the Kenneth Walkers before he got hurt, Brees Hall. I mean, those guys, J- Josh Jacobs. I still think, you know, I've I've got pay- I got paid a couple of times with him, and I think Damian Pierce has has been a bargain. So, I think it's been, I think it's easier to have the power log run the power log quarterbacks if you you don't feel like you have to pay up for an Austin Eckler. Or, uh, but I've been paying down at tight end. I've just been just trying to save save money at tight end and hope I catch a touchdown and gotten lucky a couple times yeah me me and scott uh worked together on a you know big like millionaire maker trends article and the tight ends with the highest roi and millionaire maker were basically you know those those punt tight end options you know guys who were 3k and, and less who just happened to catch a couple touchdowns um and you know really really push those lineups forward in the in the tournament so i'm almost always to look i'm almost always looking at punting tight ends um, you know, unless I'm, you know, maybe if I'm stacking Mahomes, obviously playing, you know, Kelsey or Mark Andrews with Lamar Jackson. But yeah, I think I think punting tight end in, in general is a, a plus EB move for sure. Yeah, it's just especially since the receivers have been so good. God, Jamar Chase, get get better soon. He yeah. got he got he got me paid two weeks in a row. That was fantastic. Those the his last two weeks. But uh, yeah, that one and that one and, and well, and in our fantasy points uh, staff league. I've, no, I don't have him there, but I feel like I have him everywhere else. 
<laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I tell you, it's uh, yeah, it's been the receivers that have been paying up and those and those uh, young, the young running backs so that, I, you know, I know I know Saquon's starting starting to get up there as um, in, in pricing and he's up there with, you know, the Ecklers and Derrick Henry's. But yeah, I mean, it, oh, it's been fun. And and best ball, you know, when we when we had you on about, uh, I don't know, five, six months ago, we talked a lot about, you know, uh, kind of early drafting and everything what uh who's kind of paid off for you there uh yeah so i mean i i had my my flagship article of the offseason was basically claiming that you know christian mccaffrey was the the clear 1.01 and that jonathan taylor was the the number two pick and you know what's what's funny is that almost everyone who you know complained to me about that article said like oh you don't understand that mccaffrey is only going to play three games this season and that jonathan taylor is the most durable running back in football and you know, we've seen that injuries just aren't predictable. Jonathan Taylor's only played six games and is averaging about 11 fantasy points per game because he's been dealing with this nagging ankle injury while McCaffrey has been perfectly healthy. It has been absolutely smashing and looks to be LaDainian Tomlinson 2.0 now that he's in San Francisco. So I think that that's going to prove to be a, a really strong call. Um, but there were there were certainly some other hits for me. I was, I was really high on Alvin Kamara. I mean, he was... Mm -hmm. At, at the bottom, when people thought he'd be suspended for the first six games of the season, he was going, you know, RB14, RB15. I was pulling the trigger every time because, you know, even if he did get suspended for the first six games, it was it was pretty clear that he was going to be an elite running back for the second half of the season. And that's when, you know, the best ball playoffs and fantasy playoffs are. And, you know, those weeks are just more valuable than um, the first weeks of the season. And he didn't even end up getting suspended. So I think that's a call that's really going to pay off, especially given his recent usage. Vandy Dalton over center, under center. Um, Saquon Barkley is another one. The line of thinking mm. there was pretty similar to Christian McCaffrey. People were scared because of his recent injury history, but you know we've got the lovely Dr. Edwin Porras on our site staff, and and he you know he was very clear that you know at this point Saquon should be fully past his ACL issues and you know should be 100. percent And you know we've seen the old Saquon. Um, Amari Cooper has been another good hit. Uh, you know that was really just a bet on a bet on talent and the fact that the Browns don't really have anyone else to throw to. And he's been he's been streaky. He's been extremely volatile, like not a player that I'd love it season long, but an amazing pick. It looks like in, in best ball. And then my last one is going to be my highest end quarterback, which is Justin Field. Unfortunately, <laughs> I, I ended up drafting him a lot instead of instead of Tua Tagovailoa, who is probably going to end up being a better pick this year. But Justin Fields is the QB six over the last month. He's running as well as any quarterback. And as we'll get to later, you know, he just added a new new receiver to the mix, which, which should also help him. But yeah, with his rushing volume, I, I thought QB 16 was just way too low for him. And uh, yeah, I think, I think that's going to end up proving, proving to be a pretty good call. That, and that, and that's the thing. He was one I liked because I always loved that sophomore QB jump, by the way, uh, big, big shout out to Dame Overboard. Como estas? Como estas? The, uh, the coolest Dame in town. Uh, and that, and, yeah, Fields. I, it was because of the rushing upside. I mean, that I, I did one of those best ball uh, underdog drafts with Wes, and I, you know, I, I I just realized that I kept grabbing Ohio State guys, and I said, "Look, I'm really not trying to shine your apple on this one. <laughs> I, just, I really like these guys." But I told them how much I liked Fields, and it was the rushing upside. And I I just kept thinking, and and it's kind of playing out the way it, this season is. He's he's having a very similar season to Jalen Hurts last year, uh, though his team is not not nearly as good. But just the rushing is going so much, and I I really you know that the couple the last couple of weeks there have been some good passes that have made me think. Okay, I think he might get there. Um, and and you know what the thing is, it's his first time in a new offense, so maybe there is something that is gonna that 
that there maybe his sophomore jump actually happens next year uh the, mm -hmm. so, so, the second year yeah you know what um i i ended up doing i i, I got i got i ended up getting unfortunately i got a lot of davis mills like as my third quarterback and i just yeah. don't know how that's gonna i i had like i rotated between davis mills and carson wentz as my third quarterback and i don't know how those are gonna gonna work out for me i got a fair amount of hurts i'm kind of breaking even i'm a little bit ahead but i'd love to see yeah I, one thing that I, I i will say that i was very happy about i got a lot i whenever saquon barkley fell to me in the second round i was grabbing him and damian pierce getting him late uh oh, yeah. I, I think he's my most owned player this year and uh so i think that's gonna that's gonna pay off for me and uh but yeah i didn't i, I didn't get very much I, I i think i got josh allen in like one team so um so that that one josh allen and what uh not a lot of burrow not a lot of lamar not uh, yeah i got so much kyler murray and it uh, that just yeah yeah i was <laughs> i was big on kyler as well jeff henderson who, who writes for fantasypoints.com mm -hmm. actually made a case this year that josh allen should be a late first round draft pick mostly just based around his wins above replacement metric and i mean that that looks to be you know holding true i think josh allen probably should have been a late first, early second round draft pick and is, is going to end up being one of the better QB values, even though he was, you know, by far the the highest drafted quarterback by, you know, by ADP at least. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough when he's averaging 28 fantasy points per game and you just think like, oh, I can get, you know, I can get better value in the later rounds, but I mean, maybe it's just too good. You know, it seems to be the case. That's the thing with him. He's, he, he's so good. But yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, I feel like he has, you know, him, the idea of him in the first round, it's so 10 years ago, 10, 12 years ago when, yeah. you know, people were doing that. Uh, but I, I think it's for next year, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing that because of the fact that I think there's going to be such a separator, such a big, such a big teardrop from, you know, those guys, from him, from Mahomes, uh, from Jalen Hurts and, and Joe Burrow. I think once you get down from those guys, drop down into the next year. I think it's such a big drop that it, it is almost like you've you know you've got to get your guy early on and uh, and then and then uh, go from there. Either that or everybody change your leagues to super flex so it just so you're justified taking Josh Allen in the first round. But uh, yeah, what what uh, any misses that have been uh, I've been torturing myself on Kyler Murray on shows lately. But uh, any any misses you've had? Yeah, yeah, obviously. I mean, I, I'm kind of right with you there on uh, on Kyler. I think my, my biggest miss ended up being David Montgomery. You know, the, the running back mm. dead zone guys, I was I was pretty enamored with Montgomery because I, you know, he had earned a bell cow workload the last two seasons and had been fairly productive on that. But I think, you know, part of my process that was that was incorrect there was that Khalil Herbert's just really, really good. And his numbers last year would have suggested that. Um, but yeah, I was, I was so sort of locked in on, okay, David Montgomery is going to get an 80% snap share, push for 20 touches a game. And it's looking like closer to a 60, 40 split. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Herbert was the lead back by the end of the season. Cause he's, he's pretty clearly the better player. So David Montgomery is going to end up being a pretty big miss for me. And unfortunately that's a guy that I grabbed instead of someone like Josh Jacobs. And I just like, I think in the future, I'm going to be mixing up my, my running back dead zone exposures. A little more instead of um, you know really trying to take a, a big stand on a guy unless um, you know I have I have good reason to um, a couple other guys you know Kyle Pitts but I think I think pretty much everyone missed on uh, on Kyle Pitts there it was, it was hard to predict that the Falcons would be throwing 19 20 times a game you know if target shares route share it's it's exactly where you want it to be but 
you know, the, the overall pass volume just isn't there in the offense. Michael Thomas and Kadarius Tony were two guys who I thought were uh, extremely undervalued in best ball. And, you know, I think I probably would have been correct there had they had they gotten, uh, you know, a little luckier with with injuries. Um, Tony, I'm still I'm still holding out hope for. But Thomas, I'm really starting to lose my, my optimism there, especially with Olave looking like just a world beater, a wide receiver. Um, and uh, I'm not ready to call it a miss yet, but I think I'm going to end up missing on Rondale more. I was incredibly low on on Rondale, mostly just because I thought Cliff Kingsbury is a total donkey and that he wouldn't utilize him in the correct way. Um, but after his usage last week, it it does look like Rondale is going to going to be a pretty dominant slot presence. And yeah, I mean, I I, I think he's going to end up being a low end wide receiver too, probably the rest of the way until Marquise Brown comes back, and then you know. We'll see. So he might, you know, he might kind of fade away for the fantasy playoffs, which could end up proving me right a little more um, than, than maybe I should be. But uh, yeah, curious, curious on your misses too. Yeah, you know what? Uh, uh, well, it was Murray was one. I, I really thought Brandon Cooks would be would be much better than he is, and he, and I mean we'll be talking about him a, a little bit. And I'm I'm very curious about him going forward because he stayed put. And, you know, it's pretty clear that he wants to be on another team, but I almost feel like he's got to play well to have somebody want to take that $18 million contract off their hands. So that, that one, that, that's one, uh, gosh, what were, I, I didn't, I passed on Derrick Henry a lot. I just, I, I, uh, Edwin just kept, uh, he kept talking about the fact that he's still got hardware in his foot. And I just, I didn't, didn't want to, I didn't want any part of that just didn't want any part of that in these last few weeks. He's just been a monster, uh, a monster. Um, I mean, there, there's been the injury. Well, I, I, I had Jamar Chase as my wide receiver one, which I think up until, up until he, uh, you know, after, I think he was wide receiver four after uh, that, that big game, his last two big games. So I thought he had it within his sights, but that was, uh, oh, man, that one, that one's going to haunt me, but. Uh, because it's like that's my one of my one of my primos loves to say don't say if in fantasy football and I'm like but if he'd stayed healthy if he'd stayed yeah. if he'd only yeah, stayed I mean, healthy. It, is, it, it really is hard to beat yourself up over you know any missed calls related to related to injury because a lot of injury stuff it really is just just bad luck so yeah and and you know what and one of the things and one of the ones that uh, bad luck I mean it, it's uh, a big money my my biggest money league and it's with a bunch of sharks for that that I used to work with at the Dodgers so everybody's really sh sharp and I mean it's expert level play mm -hmm. and we got the 101 and took Jonathan Taylor even though I tried to talk my partner into doing CMC but I, he said no I want I want JT and I'm like okay I want he wanted the safety of JT and I was like okay yeah I think I, I imagine a lot of people have kind of learned their lesson on, uh, you know, the, the idea of running back safety. It's it's non-existent. You know, these guys, these guys get into 20 car crashes a game like, you know, it's they're, they're just going to get hurt or they're, you know, or they're not. There's no real way to predict it. It's, it's, it's a tough game for sure. And and I think to me one of the things that I'm gonna that that I felt good about the, going into this year was the fact that. Um, I kind of avoided the running backs that were coming off the ACL surgeries, the Dobbins, the Edwards in my redraft leagues, uh, just because I, you know, Edwin just, you know, told me, he goes, I don't feel good about guys less than nine months. And, but really it's 12 to 15 months and the, the greatest and, and Saquon is playing out. It's the second year that they're, that really, that they're, that they're better after they've had a normal off season. So I'm kind of adopting that uh, going forward though. 
the uh, I, I know he did, he wasn't coming off of surgery because he he pl- he played in the playoff game, but Henry kind of kind of had the injury uh, the injury scare. But yeah, I think it got and but to me the other thing is you know that that what made the CMC argument even more sound and and you talked about it in that big article which I know gazillion people read it uh, during the off season. He didn't have surgery, so. Uh, so that to me is like you can have a normal normal off season with no surgery. So that that uh, that's going to be one of my big uh, indicators, which is why, you know, even though it's it's hurt this year, J- JT is not going to be a guy I'm fading next year. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like a, a low ankle sprain, like he's dealing with, like it could linger for the rest of this season. But yeah, after a full off season, he's going to be. Yeah, 100%, no doubt. And it was sort of a similar thing with McCaffrey. Like, he had dealt with a high ankle sprain, an AC joint sprain. Like, it's not like he tore his ACL or anything. So there was really no reason to expect a significant efficiency reduction um, like you would have with, you know, someone like Saquon or J.K. Dobbins in their first year off the, the ACL tear. So, yeah, I think I think that's a really sharp take, and I think that's going to be pretty applicable to, uh, to Brees Hall this year. I think people are mm. probably going to really steam him up over the offseason and that, you know, he – he may just not be the the same super explosive runner that we saw in the in the first half of uh, 2022. Yeah, that one's. Uh, I'm definitely. I'm. I'm looking at him in 24. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm. I'm just like you know, come back, get a good rehab, come back healthy because he is such a beautiful player. I mean, oh. absolutely. Oh, uh, and and you know what, Ken Walker, who was uh, Graham Graham Barfield's uh, original before the draft, he was his number one running back uh, on yards created and. We're seeing it play out in Seattle. So just, yeah, that, that's what you were, that's one of the things that I'm seeing a lot for the back half of the season is those, those young running backs, Walker, Pierce, Travis Etienne. I think that those are the guys uh, watching them. I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on the, the wide receivers, how, how they come. But, uh, and you mentioned Kadarius Tony. I'm, I've still got a candle. I've still got a, a lighting of Veladora that he might figure something out. Uh, guys, when they go to a good situation, they seem to, ball out so um. yeah for sure I mean he's probably the Chiefs most talented receiver I, I mean if he's if he's healthy I, I don't know if there'd be any doubt about that um, so yeah hopefully we can just get him back on the field and I'm sure the Chiefs will do a pretty good job getting getting him the ball in creative ways so yeah I'm excited to I'm excited to see him play for Kansas City but that's the thing he has to get out there and we really haven't seen much of that so far this season best available best ability is availability so that's uh, right. Uh, well, first off, I'm going to take a I'm going to take a quick moment, non-football moment, because uh, today we're, is November second, and in Mexican culture, it's the day where we celebrate Dia de los Muertos, uh, and it's in honor of All Souls Day, the Catholic holiday, and uh, you know it's kind of taking a time to reflect on those who have gone before us. Uh, it kind of like it, it was depicted in the movie Coco, you know, by keeping memories of people alive, those loved ones, it keeps that it keeps their spirits alive uh in the afterlife and so this is uh for my father juan for my sister bb for my abuelitas and my abuelitos who've all gone before and i could go on and on but that would take the entire show jake uh if there's anyone you want to mention i want you to please feel free me amigo please feel free this is you have the floor yeah yeah my my grandparents and in miami definitely thinking about you guys and uh yeah remembering remembering the good times and but you know that's what it's all about so, yeah, I really appreciate you, you giving me that moment. And, and that's the thing, you know, one of the things, one of the greatest things that somebody somebody told me when my father passed was just take a fun memory and and just keep, keep 
keep running that through your mind uh, as much as you can when you get sad. And it really helped. And it really yeah. helped. So uh, it was it was a good time. So familia, you know, uh, Dia de los Muertos, it's not just about paint, uh, which is a beautiful thing. My kids love it, love the holiday. And uh, yeah, let, let, let's let's keep let's keep those memories alive. Um, and well, let's get back to football. Um, we were recording this on Wednesday. Yesterday was the NFL trade deadline Tuesday. And like I said, MLB and NBA are still going to win uh, as far as the most impactful big deals. There were still some significant moves. I kind of want to take a couple moments to talk about some of those. But I, I want to I see if we could discuss each one. Chase Claypool to the Bears. Second round pick. I, I don't want to get into the draft capital. Let's talk just specifically the fantasy implications. Justin Fields now has another weapon. Uh you know, do, do you think there's going to be enough uh, passing volume to to have him be someone who makes an impact in the second half? I'm still not very optimistic about the fantasy value of any Bears pass catcher. I was coming around to Darnell Mooney a little bit mm. prior to this trade uh, because he had exceeded 10 expected fantasy points in each of his last three games. And it looked like the Bears pass volume was starting to pick up with Justin Fields finding a bit more of a, a rhythm as a passer. I mean, he still wasn't passing well, but he was much closer to average, whereas before it was it was, it was pretty poor. Um, but I, I do think this is just in general a boost for Justin Fields. I mean, throwing to Chase Claypool instead of, uh, you know, someone like Vilas Jones or Equinemus St. Brown is a, a big upgrade, objectively. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very optimistic about Justin Fields finishing this, this year as a quarterback one, potentially a mid-range QB one. Um, and yeah, I think, I think it's the biggest boost for him and probably, a, a, you know, an overall boost for the Bears offense, but that certainly hurts Darnell Mooney. And yeah, I'm, I'm still not optimistic about Claypool's fantasy value overall, just because of target volume concerns. You know, to me, the one thing that, that makes me a little, uh, somewhat a little bit excited about it is just the fact that he's a year and a half from becoming free agent. So and he still hasn't built up the resume to really get a get a nice payday. Guys really yeah. do get do ball out at this point. So I think he's got that 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 fire within him where to really do everything he needs to do to to be great and and put up some big numbers. So I think that's one thing that we're that that I'm really uh, that has me somewhat excited about this one. So I'm kind of hope uh, that that's what's got me a little bit hopeful on this one i still don't think the pass volume is going to be there though that 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 to me is the big thing I, I, you know throwing 20 to 25 times a game uh i i just think it's not going to be there and that that is uh just the offensive environment that's going to be tough uh, let's talk about chase edmonds to the broncos now he's sharing carries with melvin gordon and latavius murray uh, you know i know he's kind of buried uh in miami but uh is the is the is the arrow pointing up or down for him or is it neutral yeah i mean he's he's almost definitely their most talented running back so yeah. so you know there's some reason for optimism there i think at least immediately he slides into the the mike boone role which was worth the, and mike boone's on ir right now and that was worth about seven expected fantasy points per game and 3.7 targets per game so you know still not enough to really have like great standalone value unless you're playing in a super super deep league Latavius Murray and, and Gordon are, are going to get those goal line carries so I'm not sure there's going to be a ton of TV upside there but I I am still overall a believer in Chase Edmonds talent I, I think he's a pretty decent back um, and yeah there you know there, there's a chance here that he could carve out a, a significant role at some point um, but I, I think more likely than not we're looking at a pretty gross committee the rest 
Yeah, it's so tough to, to to see that. I mean, you you said it. You used the perfect adjective, gross. It's just, I think the only thing that uh, has me as slot him in as the top one. You mentioned he's the most talented. I think he's the one who also is the most uh, multi-talented. He could catch the passes. Murray is a zero when it comes to uh, catching passes. Gordon has been up and down, but he hasn't been catching as many passes of late. So that has me thinking that he he could get some work in the, in the passing game if Russ actually passes to him. I mean, I man, I I think this comes down the, – the, the Broncos may be the biggest disappointment this season. I just – it's just not fun. It, it's not. I I watched that game really closely on Sunday, and it just it was not fun watching him try and run that offense and a lot of underthrown balls. It's just. Uh, I mean, I, I I'm not as adept in scheme and everything to, to you know when I heard Lewis Riddick talking about how it's a JV roster and and a, a, you know JV offense, I was like, okay, I'm not I'm not going to go there. But yeah, I just knew it wasn't it wasn't uh, doing much of anything. Um, yeah, Oof. it's. I mean, if you just look at points per game, they're the second worst offense in the NFL. You know, worse than worse than Houston, worse than Washington, worse worse than Tennessee. Like, you know, it's 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 just really bad in Denver. So it's it's hard to have a lot of optimism there. But uh, yeah, at the very least, you know, Edmonds should secure that pass catching role. So. Uh. So we got a couple running backs that changed hands. Uh, Naheem Hines went to the Bills. Zach Moss went to the Colts. Uh. It, uh, to me, the big one is is Naheem Hines. Is there enough work for him to be relevant in the in Buffalo? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So I mean, like we saw the Bills desperately tried to sign JD McKissick, and then yep. he changed his mind. They were involved yeah, in so. the Christian McCaffrey sweepstakes. They spent the second round pick on James Cook. So like they're very certain for whatever reason that they need a pass catching running back in this offense. And Devin Singletary, I mean, he's a solid all around running back, but he's not the, you know, elite tier route runner and pass catching specialist that a guy like Naheem Hines is. I sort of think that Hines, you know, the ideal outcome here is sort of like a James White in New England type of role where he's playing, you know, every third down, every passing situation is averaging, you know, six or so, seven or so targets per game. And it's, it's probably a low to mid range RB2 in that scenario. And that's, that's, that's probably best case. Um, obviously, he's, you know, he's not going to get the goal line carries. He's Devin Singletary is still going to lead the backfield in rushing. Um, but I'm, I'm very optimistic about Hines, mostly just because of how desperate Buffalo was to try to get a pass catching running back in the building. Like they obviously have something in mind for Hines. So, yeah, I think I think that there's a lot of potential and, and potentially, you know, like 2017, 2018, 2019, James White would sort of be who, mm. I, who I'd look at as the, um, you know, the high end comp. Yeah, I got I got a lot of questions on Heinz today on on the Fantasy Points Discord. And by the way, for you guys, please get in there. You see me and Jake in there all the time, especially on Sunday mornings before. Oh, yeah. uh, well, Sunday mornings for me, <laughs> Sunday Sunday pregame, uh, pre first game. But yeah, it, so you're we're in there answering questions. So a lot of start sick questions are flying through at that point. But um, Heinz definitely is going to get. Uh, it, it, I I almost feel like that move is more for January and February. Uh, and then just spend the rest of the season kind of getting him acclimated and kind of unleash him fully in the, in the playoffs. So that, that's what I'm looking at that one. Moss, I think he's just, a, you know, on the other side of the deal, I think he's just a depth piece in, in, in with the Colts. I, 
unless uh, i mean it, it, the pecking order it seems like if jt's out it's Deion. it starts Deion jackson yeah, yeah so Deion jackson I, I tweeted this this morning he's only owned in 10 percent of the espn leagues and you know jonathan taylor didn't practice today and it looks like this this ankle i mean low ankle sprains don't don't tend to be a a huge issue in, in terms of a lingering injury but it's you know it's lingering for him and it, it could definitely put his week nine status into doubt um you know in the in the two games without uh taylor and where Hines was either you know immediately knocked out he had that concussion or he just he just missed Deion jackson averaged 12 and a half carries per game seven targets per game and 20.6 fantasy points per game i'm not sure that his pass game role will be as good as we saw in those two games where where Hines was either out or limited because the colts did re-sign jordan wilkins to their practice squad mm. and, and you know wilkins is a guy who's familiar with the offense and well, he never put up big numbers as a receiver when he was with Indianapolis previously. That was because he was always in a sort of a third down uh, role timeshare with Naheem Hines. So I think I think Jordan Wilkins is going to steal some pass game work if, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor is is inactive. But, you know, Deion Jackson is looks like a really strong handcuff for the rest of the way. Um, you know, maybe not quite like Kareem Hunt levels, but probably the next tier down. Um, and he's, he's, he's a really good player. I mean, we saw um, a couple weeks ago, he had, you know, it was 12 carries, I think 10 receptions and 150 or so yards from scrimmage and 28 fantasy points. Like he's, he's certainly capable of big games and he looks like a pretty, pretty talented rusher. So yeah, if you're, if you have an extra bench spot and you're looking for, for a handcuff rusher, I, I think Deion Jackson makes a ton of sense in, in any sort of redraft league. Yeah, very much, especially if you've got if you got Jonathan Taylor, and even if you don't have Jonathan Taylor, I mean, it's a, he's a good player to have because just the fact that he's he's he is good, uh, but you know there. Yeah, I, I am kind of shocked that, that that I mean, the leagues that I play in, Deion Jackson scooped up all over the place. So uh, yeah. the, the, I think I play in those in those ten percent of leagues. So I think we both do. Yeah. So uh, the, the, he's he's gone on those. Uh, let's uh, another one. T.J. Hawkinson to to the Vikings. The the not too often in intra division trade, he goes from number two. I think he goes from the number two target in Detroit to possibly the number three in Minnesota. I, I, how are you kind of looking at him, especially considering that that tight end is such a wasteland again this year? Yeah, I'm I'm viewing this as a slight downgrade, potentially a lateral move, but I, I think lateral move is is probably closer to the best case here. Um, I, I really just don't see him as much more than the Irv Smith replacement. And Irv Smith yeah. was averaging 7.8 expected fantasy points per game prior to his high ankle sprain, which is a 28% worse workload than what Hawkinson's usage was in Detroit. So, I you know, I really don't think Minnesota intends to, like, work their offense around TJ Hawkinson by any means. I mean, we know who their, who their alpha pass catchers are. Um, they're, they're really just in like win now mode, you know, they're six and one, they're, they're serious NFC competitor and yeah, they, they needed to fill in for, for Irv Smith. I don't think they wanted to trot out, you know, Johnny, Johnny Mutt for 80 snaps, you know, 80% of snaps. So yeah, I think, I think it's, uh, you know, basically just a, a replacement for, for Irv Smith, which probably makes it a slight downgrade for, for Hawkinson's fantasy value overall. Yeah, I just think he. I mean, both both teams are throwing quite a bit. Uh, I I feel like the Rams. I mean, the Rams, the Lions might be throwing more, the, a little bit more than the Vikings, but uh, but yeah, I just don't. Uh, I don't. I don't see Hawkinson's value going up. I I mean, you, you know, you mentioned 
J- Justin Jefferson, he's if he's getting he's getting his ten to fifteen targets every week. You got Adam Thielen, and how much is left over after that? I don't think there's that much. And uh, speaking of trying to trying to uh, work with leftovers, uh, Jeff Wilson going to Miami. Is Raheem Mostert going to is he is he insurance or uh, you know is Mostert going to leave him any any uh, leftovers? Yeah, so I'd imagine this is probably going to be a 70-30 split in, in Mostert's favor. So that, that's not enough for, for Wilson to really have any standalone value, but he's, you know, high-end handcuffs now. If, if Mostert gets hurt, probably pretty similar to, to Deion Jackson overall. I mean, he really didn't have any path towards playing time in, in San Francisco, especially after they added added McCaffrey. So I think, you know, this this is a slight boost for Wilson's fantasy value overall, but He's, he's really not going to get there for you unless Mostert goes down. But, you know, all things considered, Mostert is one of the more injury-prone running backs in the NFL. So, you know, it's no guarantee that he stays healthy. Yeah, that that to me is a big thing. 30-year-old running back, it, you're just looking at a guy that uh, you don't want to call it a ticking time bomb, but he hasn't shown the I – mean, Edwin talks about injury history and he's got injury history. So you just got to have that protection. And that's why, you know, Jeff Wilson has to be, has to be kept on, on rosters. My, my, my primo Nico, he called me on Sunday morning. What do I do with Jeff Wilson? I said, no, he's dead. He's there's nothing, there's no one to pick him. You need to pick him back up, (laughs) pick him back up. Uh, Last one, Calvin Ridley to the Jaguars. I think that's a sneaky good deal for the Jaguars. I, I know, I know, Miguel Graham Barfield, big Jags fan. Uh, I, I know he was he was pretty pumped when that one came out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think it's a great deal for the Jaguars. The Jaguars have a, a receiving core right now that's kind of just full of complimentary pieces. I mean, they gave Christian Kirk and and Zay Jones quite a bit of money, and those guys are really good in the you know a number two or number three role. But I, I don't think you can consider either of them. A, you know. A, alpha type wide receiver one like Calvin Ridley is so you know this is gonna be a really good group of receivers for uh, for Trevor Lawrence in 2023 and I, I think the Jags got, got a lot better from this trade so I'm pretty excited about it too yeah I, I'm excited about that one hopefully Trevor Lawrence takes some takes some steps forward because uh, we need more quarterbacks uh, I'm not liking what I'm seeing in Tampa Bay and Green Bay and I, I don't like the possibility of the the, the even the thought of them walking away with no no uh nobody coming in behind them so that's uh we'll, we'll see how that one is and it, a couple of notable non-moves uh brandon cooks and cam makers stay put the packers stand pat uh, you know any of those really stick out to you i mean I, we'll be talking about cooks in a, in a few minutes we can we can focus yeah on i mean I, I just i can't believe that the packers didn't try to make a move for a, a wide receiver like they're i mean their offense is just been terrible. Aaron Rodgers has zero fantasy upside with how Devontae looks like. I mean, Aaron Jones is their is their best receiver right now. I mean, Romeo Romeo Dobbs is, is coming on and I, you know, I think he, he may end up being a, a pretty good player, but it's just it's not enough right now. And I mean after after him it's pretty barren. So yeah, I was I, I was I was shocked that the the Packers didn't uh, didn't make a move for a wide receiver, and honestly, I was pretty surprised that Kareem Hunt didn't get traded as well. Yeah. Um, on the Monday night game, it looked like he had he had gotten benched and was and was pretty upset. And me, you know, I was I was on a call with some of my friends, and we were all saying like, "Oh, he must he must have gotten traded." Like we were ready for the news to come out. I actually had a really good showdown lineup that was about a point away from from winning and had had Kareem Hunt and. You know, obviously, obviously that didn't end up working out, but um, yeah, I was, I was really surprised that, that he didn't get traded and I'm, 
Now I'm just kind of wondering what happened there with that that benching. It's kind of just a really really confusing situation overall. I I so had him pegged to come to the Rams. So mm-hmm. I just I don't know if maybe the Rams said you got to take Cam Akers away from us. I, that, that, the Akers thing is just it, it's just going to be a distraction for the rest of the season. There's going to be and I think they needed to they may come to a point where they need to release him because I, I don't know if I, I really don't know if he's going to play another down for the Rams. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like just in general, it's hard to have a lot of optimism for anyone in that backfield. Like they're the least productive backfield in, in fantasy. The The offensive line looks looks terrible. So I, I can't exactly blame Akers for wanting to play somewhere else. Um, you know, they Ronnie Rivers led the backfield in touches last week. It's, it's, it's just a it's a very bad backfield situation in, in Los Angeles. And I you know, you'd have to imagine that they'd rather have Akers out there than, you know, somebody like Ronnie Rivers or Malcolm Brown. Uh, but yeah, it's it was definitely surprising to to see him not get moved. I had to I had to look up and make sure that Ronnie Rivers won there was a running back several several years, probably more than ten years ago. Uh I had to make sure he wasn't like, you know, Frank doing the Frank Gore thing and playing when he's like thirty seven or something like that. So <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well that was I mean in the in the fantasy points discord, Scott Barrett let everyone know that, you know, Ronnie Rivers was gonna get 60 to 80 percent of Rams backfield carries before before anyone had that and so I actually bet Ronnie Rivers to score a touchdown and got you know great odds he didn't end up scoring but it was something I felt really good about after I saw the backfield usage there so um, yeah another reason to be in the fantasy points discord yeah even though even though I told somebody not to play Malik Davis and he scored a touchdown on Sunday so I'm uh, sorry <laughs> if you're watching out there I'm sorry lo siento mucho so uh it, it was Tony Pollard day so uh I want to get into a couple of news items the cheese mess section so we already talked about Jonathan Taylor so the ing- in- lingering effects of the ankle injury so I don't think we need to go into that anymore uh but Cordero Patterson returns to practice you're neck of the woods you're, you're down in Georgia now uh you know, looking at the looking at this possibility, how much more muddy does that make this backfield with Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley? Yeah, it's it's tough. You know, CPAT only had one week where he had an elite workload, and that that was week one. And then after that, yeah. it, it kind of turned into a bit more of a of a committee. And I think, you know, the the other running backs were were playing well enough that I you know I just don't think that they're going to hand CPAT this the spell cow workload when. When he comes back so yeah it probably remains a, a gross committee i mean patterson still has the most standalone fantasy value in that backfield he's a really talented player and is going to run some routes at receiver and you know catch more passes than anyone else but yeah i'm i'm not super optimistic for anyone there yeah uh, that one yeah that one's going to be tough that one's going to be tough so uh and chuba hubbard still in kind of rehab stage i I was excited to fire up uh, Foreman last week because I felt like he was going to run unopposed. I think he's running unopposed again. Tougher matchup this week, but you know, I I think I think having we saw what he had last week. I don't think he's going to reach those heights again. Definitely not with the three touchdowns, but I I think there's something to see there, uh, something to play with there uh, in your lineups at the very least in a flex spot. Don't you, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, he's he's definitely a viable starter at this point, as as long as Hubbard is out. Uh, Hayden Winks actually had a had a great chart um, where, you know, he posted uh, the backfield usage, and it was it was Hubbard working as the one A in, in week seven um, for the most part until they got into extreme positive game script. So so if Hubbard manages to play this week, I, I think he practiced in a limited fashion today, but I I know he's he looks extremely questionable for week nine. So if he manages to play. 
performance, I, I you know, I don't, I don't think he can be considered in play, although, you know, he did have a, a really strong game last week, but you know, you got to keep in mind that most coaches typically abide by the, the rule that you don't lose your job, you know, because you get hurt. So I think Hubbard's going to come back in and this is going to be pretty close to a 50, 50 split. And he's probably going to get a little more pass game work than, than Foreman. Um, but yeah, you know, if, if he sits Foreman, Foreman looks like a, a pretty solid uh, running back, play, probably like a high end RB2 type type guy for the, the rest of the way. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I, at least until Hubbard comes back, I think it, I think there will be a kind of a split there, and I think that's going to eat into his carries. He's not going to have he's not going to have very much of a bell cow role. And then the last one, I think I think it's very interesting that you know this morning and it's Daniel Snyder uh, apparently is is exploring selling the the Commanders, and then the news item comes out later that the the federal government kind of opened up a criminal investigation into financial improprieties for the team. Big coincidence, big, big coincidence. I think not. It's, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to share a little bit. Um, I worked, you know, as all you all know, I worked for the Dodgers. I also worked during the Frank McCourt era when they, when they were sold the team and major league baseball put the screws to him to make sure that he sold the team. I mean, every, everything was public. I mean, they, they were making also, you know, they put the team in a bankruptcy and we're not giving them any, any, uh, any, you know, any light, there were no lifesavers to, to get them to uh, get them to keep the team. And I think what's happening here, it's kind of like behind the scenes. I, I think there, there are enough owners that have just kind of said, okay, we're keeping this quiet, but, he needs to sell. He he can't keep the team. And I think with, you know, when you get the federal government involved, I think there's so many owners that don't want the federal and government keep, you know, poking around into their team. So it's a rough one, man. Rough one for Washington fans. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the good news is at least with the, the federal investigation, it seems certainly more likely that he's, he's going to get pushed out. And, you know, obviously they are, they are looking into selling the team. So you know, I imagine I imagine other owners are going to really start putting the putting the heat on him to just get out of there. And yeah, I think that'll probably make the NFL a better place for just about everyone. I think, yeah, I think if you could get that to, team to be, you know, behaving like a flagship organization, which they really were before before Schneider bought the team. I mean, I grew mm-hmm. up, I grew up in the seventies and eighties, watching watching the and and into the nineties, where uh, you know Washington, I won't use their their previous name. Uh, but Washington was a dominant organization, well-run organization, going toe-to-toe with the Cowboys, and I think they, I think the NFL wants that to happen. I mean, gosh, they're tar- they're throwing they're throwing a number out there like five point six billion dollars as a sale price for that, which is just that's 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 a lot, that's a lot of tacos, man. That's a lot of tacos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we'll see, we'll see. This one's this one's going to be a novella that plays out for a long, long time. So. Uh, so we got our our weekly novella adentro y afuera who's in who's out uh you know for week nine and some of these guys are obvious plays but you know they're the players who i'm that that i put on here that are in i think are kind of like looking at some smash spots and the and the ones that i'm out afuera are players that you know i don't love their matchup and and the start one and you mentioned this one in your early look for DFS, Justin Herbert. Now we didn't talk about the Keenan Allen injury because I saved it for this one. You know, you got Keenan Allen who's not looking good to play this week after it seems like he had a setback during during the the week off. 
I, you know, I, I know he's 7,200 on DF on DraftKings. Are you, how are you feeling about Herbert knowing that Allen and we already know Mike Williams is out? Yeah. I mean, obviously it's, it's tough to love Herbert without his top two wide receiver options, but we know he's an extreme talent and like really the, the spot to love here is, is the matchup. Atlanta is one of the premier pass funnels in the NFL uh, allowing the second highest pass rate over expectation. Um, they're also allowing the second most schedule adjusted fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks. They rank dead last in PFF pass rush grades, sixth worst in PFF coverage grades. This is just an outstanding matchup for any passing offense. I mean, even if, well, we know at this point, Herbert's wide receivers are going to be uh, Josh Palmer, Michael Bandy, and DeAndre Carter. Even with that, you know, rather subpar receiving core, it, you know, you can pretty easily see Justin Herbert going for 30 DraftKings points in this contest. I mean, you know, PJ Walker absolutely destroyed Atlanta last week, and we saw Joe Burrow do it the week before. Uh, this is a defense to target, and I, you know, I think people might be a little scared off Herbert for DFS purposes because he's missing his, his top two wide receivers. But you know, if there's ever a spot for a blow-up game for for Herbert, it would it would be here. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm definitely still going to play him, and I'm I'm optimistic he'll clock in around five percent ownership this week. Could it be? You know, it, it's interesting because he's gotten so many targets. Austin Eckler has been getting double digit targets recently. Could that be an interesting stack? I mean, I know you're paying up for Eckler, but is that a, is is that the potential for an interesting stack? I think he's in the eight thousands or something for this week. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, people don't want to stack running backs with with quarterbacks, and it's, for good reason. Oftentimes those, those players are negatively correlated, but at least over their last uh, 22 games together, Austin Eckler and Justin Herbert actually have a 0.01 positive correlation. So you're not really giving up like any, any upside, so to speak, uh, playing those two guys together. And it, it'll be a pretty, uh, pretty unpopular pairing. I would imagine overall Eckler is going to be super popular this week, but like I said, I, you know, I don't think a ton of people will be on Herbert and I, probably no one's going to play, you know, that, that combo. So yeah, that's, that's a good way to get unique there. Herbert plus Eckler plus, you know, one of Palmer Everett, maybe DeAndre Carter, even Michael Bandy. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's pretty viable. And you, you had the stat uh, in your early look where, uh, where Herbert, I believe it was 20 has, has averaged 27.7 fantasy points in his victories. And obviously they're favored in this game. Granted they're road favorites, but they're still favorites. And, uh, and I think you said that was the same exact number that, that Lamar Jackson averaged in his breakout MVP season in 2019. So that's who you're getting when they win. Yeah, yeah. Herbert's been, you know, historically super dominant in wins. Maybe you could argue that his upside isn't the same without, uh, you know, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen in the in the lineup. But I mean, you know, we we know he's a tremendous talent, and like I said, like the matchup is just just outstanding. So, so yeah, sweet. with the with the Chargers favored, I'm I'm still willing to pull the pull the trigger on Herbert here in, in the plus matchup. Oh, that's Mexican. That, that that's Mexican sweet bread. Uh, that is so sweet, so tasty, so tasty. Uh, another guy who has a tasty matchup: Miles Sanders going to Houston. He had only nine carries last week, but his previous his previous five games was 20, 16, 29, 17, and nineteen touches. And I mean, this is a Houston offense defense that just got run over by by uh, Derrick Henry and Josh Jacobs the week before. Their 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 rushing yards against is ridiculous. I mean, how do you not? How can you not 
put Sanders as a smash play this week? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 hard not to. Like the matchup is incredible. Houston's sort of like the opposite of Atlanta in that they're, you know, a premier run funnel. Teams love running on Houston. And, you know, I think another important note here is that Jalen Hurts has been incredibly dominant in the first half of games, but the Eagles have been blowing everyone out and he's just taking his foot off the gas completely in the in the second half of games, which could really open the door for someone like like Sanders to, you know, get to 25 touches. I, I had a stat last week. I'll need to update it. But 81% of Jalen Hurts fantasy scoring has come in the first half of games. So unless you think, you know, unless you think Houston is going to keep this game close, I, I think you really want to target the, um, you know, the Philadelphia running backs. And obviously that kind of starts and ends with, with Miles Sanders. That's amazing. That that yeah, Joe Dolan was kind of met, talking a little bit about that. How Philly fans are going crazy over uh, the fact that the, the the Eagles aren't piling on. So, <laughs> I, I you know I, I guess they can they can't they can't have nice things in in, in <laughs> Well, I mean, you know that that only really helps in like college football, right? Like, yeah. not, there's no advantage in the NFL to to beating every team by forty. You got to protect. Uh, you know, that franchise asset, Jalen Hurts. So Absolutely. I think that translates to a lot of carries for, for Miles Sanders. Yeah, they'll want, they'll want to turn him loose in January. So January. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Now, those The 40-point fantasy games will be plentiful in the in the playoffs, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. that We'll be, we'll be playing some, uh, yeah, d- definitely, you know, some showdowns and, and everything on the weekend. Oh, yeah. uh, this one, I, I'm a little worried about it. But, gosh, I mean, it's such a – Romeo Dobbs at Detroit – the the lions have just been i mean 276 passing yards per game uh again it looks like dobbs is gonna have nobody else in in, i actually played him on that lineup that almost that almost won some coin over the weekend uh because i looked at him and i said he's the only game in town it's him and tanya and uh i mean this one this one's a little trepidation but i just think there's gonna be target the volume's gonna be there for him yeah, for sure. I think I think for DFS purposes, everyone's going to drift towards Aaron Jones and maybe a little bit of mm. AJ Dillon. But you know, this this game has a has a fifty over under. Last last I checked, um, you know, one of the one of the best of the one of the highest of the week. And yeah, Dobbs is kind of the only guy there. So um, yeah, when the Packers throw, it'll it'll probably end up going to him and Tunyon. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to argue against it against the Detroit defense that it's just been absolutely abysmal. I believe they fired their defensive backs coach. Uh, on Tuesday, so yeah, it's it's looking it's looking pretty bad there. One guy that I wanted to mention for DFS, he's the minimum price, and I think could be pretty interesting if Christian Watson doesn't clear concussion protocol. Is uh, Samore Torre yes. actually had the second most um, expected fantasy points among Packers wide receivers in um, in Week Eight, and you know, not a guy I'm going to be playing in one offs. But if you're, you know, making Jared Goff stacks or making Aaron Rodgers stacks, he's worth a look at, at 3,000. So I just figured I'd, I'd throw his name in there. I, you know, I don't think he's the best wide receiver punt of the week by, by any means, but he's certainly a little interesting. And, you know, you just got to keep an eye on the health of those other Packers wide receivers. He's the one, he's the one because uh, he caught that late touchdown in the fourth quarter. The winning team, uh, the team I was trailing uh, or did not, did not have Tory. And that one was uh, it, that Tory won that that person actually several people shared shared that one because a, a lot of people yeah. had I think it was like six people had that one but it was a nice little nice little chunk of change on Sunday night just for, you know spent splurge on Halloween so yeah. 
Next one, Zach Ertz, uh, my tight end. Zach Ertz going going against that Seattle defense. That's just, I, I mean, I feel like in this one, I'm I'm targeting in tight end whoever's playing Seattle <laughs> on this on this show on a weekly basis. He, you know, he t- he took them for you know seven catches for seventy yards in week six. I mean, it to me the big stat is that the the Seattle Seahawks are giving up eighty point nine receiving yards to the to the tight end position, which is almost 10 more than second, than the number 31 team. It, it's it, whew, man, Zach Ertz. I think even with D hop, uh, even with the hop, is he a strong play for you? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Seattle ranks as the best schedule adjusted matchup for opposing tight ends. Um, and Ertz is seeing great volume, you know, he's tight end three by expected fantasy points per game, tight end four by targets per game. So, yeah, I mean, it's really just a bet on volume against a, a terrible defense. You know, really, really can't hate it too much there. Um, I, you know, I think there's a decent argument there that maybe he doesn't have much upside because he's never been a, a great yards after the catch guy and he's, you know, he's getting older. But at the same time, I mean, the, you know, the volume's really strong and yeah, the matchup's great. So it's hard not to like. Oh, really good matchup. Really good matchup. So some tough matchups coming up. PJ Walker. Uh, he, we're going to the Afuera section, the quarterback on there. I mean, that throw was so beautiful, but man, he's got, he's got a tough matchup, even with the Cincinnati losing a Wuzier. Uh, I hope I said that correctly to a torn ACL. Please rehab. Well, my man, please re- hope you got a good doctor like uh, Edwin uh, to take care of you on the, on the PT side. But that secondary is still not giving is giving up just 219 yards. It's it's going to be a collective effort, uh, at, and it's a road game for Walker. I'm, I'm not loving this one for him this week. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of tough for me because PJ Walker is just he's been playing out of his mind the last yeah. couple of weeks. I mean he had one at like that throw last week was one of the greatest throws in in NFL history. He's uh, you know one of PFF's I think the eighth or ninth highest graded quarterback over the last couple of weeks. He's He's just playing really well. And I mean, I could, I could see it continuing against Cincinnati, but you know, you have to remember that this is, this is PJ Walker. Like this is a guy who is going to be uh, on the practice squad had Sam Darnold and, and Baker Mayfield both ended up healthy this season. So, you know, it's, it's hard not to expect him to, to come back down to earth at, at least a little bit, but you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he had another, um, you know, pretty decent game just because he's, he's been running so hot lately. I, I could be, I just, oh, I, I... I don't know. The, to, to me, the one thing that could help them is the fact that they lost their top cornerback, that the Bengals yeah. lost their top cornerback. And I know I know that puts Eli Apple more into the spotlight, who uh, I think he's still got tire marks on him for that because Cooper Cup just ran all over him in the Super Bowl. But uh, yeah, that one's a tough one. Now, uh, speaking of running, uh, James Robinson and Michael Carter, I think they're going to have a tough time against Buffalo. I mean, I know it's a home game for them, but I mean, they've lost, uh, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker, uh, who uh, my, my friends, their son played uh, offensive line with him at, in high school. Uh, but, I, you know, the the Bills have just been, uh, other than the game that Aaron Jones just, who's been playing out of his mind and ran for 143 yards, before that they hadn't allowed more than 54 yards to any running back. And uh, I'm I'm just looking at this one. It's 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 tough road to hoe. I think for both of them this week. Yeah, absolutely. The Bills are the fifth toughest matchup for opposing running backs by schedule adjusted fantasy points per game. They've allowed the third fewest yards after contact and the fifth lowest yards per carry on the season. I really don't have any hope at all for James Robinson. I've 
slightly more optimism for Michael Carter because he has a better workload overall thanks to the uh, the target volume that he gets. You know, the Bills don't allow much down the field, so maybe that's another argument in, in Carter's favor that, that Wilson would be forced to check down a little more. But, yeah, it's it's an absolutely brutal matchup against uh, against this Buffalo defense, and it's, it's hard to see New York, uh, you know, being able to get anything done offensively. So, yeah, I, I, I think you're spot on there. Yeah, and, and I think interdivision. I think I think those teams they get a little bit more keyed up on those games, and I think that the the D and I think the Bills they got a little embarrassed last week uh, that the game was closer than they probably thought it should have been. I think I think they're not going to leave any doubt, and and plus I think that they're going to be able to uh, they're going to be able to get enough of a lead that that the Jets aren't just going to be able to the Jets are going to have to go to their passing game, which. Haven't been good results with Zach Wilson lately. So, and, and speaking of results, I, I'm kind of Brandon Cooks uh, going going to Philadelphia on Thursday night football. It, it's just it it does not look good for him. Uh, it almost almost looks as bad for him as it did for that that fastball that went into Bryce Harper last night that he put out about 450 feet in the, the right field bleachers last night. Uh, Darius Slay is, is lurking for him. Uh, and there's no Nico Collins this week, so or possibly no Nico Collins. But he's to me the, the curious part is he's only got seven targets since he's got no more than seven targets in any game since week two. And I'm starting to wonder if it's like something with with something going on with Cooks. Maybe he's taken a you know lost a step, or if is Davis Mills just not good any you know as good as so many of us thought he was going to be like me and best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dave, Davis Mills. I mean, part, part of the problem there is that Davis Mills isn't pushing the ball downfield. He is one of the lowest mm-hmm. average depth of targets of any, any starting quarterback. And I think another big part of it is that defenses are very key on, you know, Brandon cooks being a wide receiver one at Houston, Nico Collins had actually outproduced cooks in their last, I think three or four healthy games together. Um, so, you know, Collins kind of ended up being a guy that I was, I was targeting a bit more in, in DFS. I think, at least specifically, it is as it applies to the you know the Thursday night showdown slate. I'll be looking at a guy like Chris Moore, or even Philip Dorsett, a bit more than I will Brandon Cooks. You know, he's, he's entering this game questionable. He's um, you know he's not thrilled with the the franchise overall. I just yeah, it, it seems like a pretty easy fade to me here against a Philadelphia secondary that's been really tough, especially on the outside. Yeah, the, I saw somebody. I, I was listening to someone earlier who was saying who looked ahead at all the all the lines going the rest of the season. The Eagles are favorite in every game going forward this season. So that that's just yeah. They're, I mean, they're the runaway favorite to win the NFC, um, and they've they've got really strong Super Bowl odds. I believe they're they're second, like plus five hundred, plus five fifty, behind only only Buffalo. Um, yeah, I think, you know, you could argue maybe if they were in the AFC, that would be a, a slightly different story, but they're, you know, they're in the much weaker conference and they look like, you know, just, just world beaters offensively. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible how, how much public sentiment swung on Philadelphia from being like a league average team to being one of the best teams in the NFL in the span of like a month is, is awesome. I, I think it was just a great bit of you know roster construction. I think uh, oh, yeah. you know somebody was talking about how Howie Roseman doesn't isn't the greatest when it comes to drafting, but mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to building a team and and using using that draft pick to trade for AJ Brown, I think was just brilliant and just 
yeah building around the guy put i just i had somebody on uh recently uh former major league baseball player jerry harrison jr and he just said he's just, he's a huge bear fan so when he's looking at what's happening with justin fields he just looks at what happened what's what's happened in philadelphia and he just said build that wall in front of the kid and get him playmakers so we're going to see, we're going to see how that works out. Uh, last one, TJ Hawkinson. Uh, if I mean that, thank you. Thank you for staying with us on this one. TJ Hawkinson at Washington, not loving this one. I don't know how much of the offense he's going to pick up, uh, but he's going to be thrown in because there's no Irv Smith at, but the commanders are number one versus the tight end, giving up just 22, 28.2 yards a game to the position. Hawkinson already got held to 26 yards earlier this season in a game that saw 63 total points, Detroit 36, Washington 27. But the, the commanders are shut, shutting down tight ends this year. They're, they're the opposite of Seattle. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a, definitely a tough matchup for Hawkinson. And like you said, you know, it's kind of a short week for him, you know, it's questionable how much of the the playbook he'll even be able to, to pick up. And as we mentioned earlier, you know, it's probably, a lateral move at, at best in terms of workload and, you know, potentially a 20 to 30% downgrade for Hawkinson. Washington has been um, third worst against outside wide receivers uh, per schedule adjusted fantasy points per game allowed. So I think the guys that you're really going to want to target here are, you know, Justin Jefferson, obviously that's sort of an every game thing, but uh, KJ Osborne too, I think um, is a, is a very interesting play, at least for, for DFS tournaments, you know, I'll be targeting some, some Kirk Cousins stacks. So, uh, yeah, I think I think it makes sense to go more that direction than towards uh, towards a guy like Hawkinson. Yeah, I think Osborne he's going to be in like the five thousand range or like high four thousands, right? I haven't, I haven't yeah, yeah, I believe so. I haven't I haven't checked his price, but he he should be he should be pretty affordable. So yeah, if you're looking to to double stack Cousins, most people will probably go towards Thielen, but I think I think Thielen has lost a bit of a step. He's dealing with a knee bruise right now. Um, you know, I, he's probably not very live to hit any of the yardage bonuses on DraftKings. Like he's a guy who can really only get there through, you know, like a multi-touchdown mm. game. So I, you know, I think I prefer Osborne as the, um, you know, sort of the secondary stacking partner with, with Cousins as opposed to, you know, Thielen or obviously Hawkinson, like we, we talked about. Yeah, the guy who could get those deep shots. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Speaking of double stacks, yes, Tua, Tua Hill and Waddle. Oh <laughs> hey, yeah, everybody, every, just, every bit, just build a lineup. Every build one lineup with those three guys in it every week, no matter what the cost is. No matter. Yeah, what I mean, Scott Scott mentioned in, in XSP, and I, I have some notes in, in the DFS study hall working uh, study hall article that I'm currently currently working on that Tyreek Hill's workload this season is easily the best he's ever had. He has more 12 target games than uh, any player in the NFL. He's looking like potentially this year's Cooper Cup. Like his volume is is truly elite and, you know, two is doing a great job at, at getting him the ball in space. So Tyreek Hill is a guy that I think is still underpriced and, you know, should probably be closer to the, the Cooper Cup price that we saw last year of like 97, 9,800. He's still 13, 1400 away on DraftKings. So Hill's a guy that I'm just going to target every week and just hope that his ownership isn't, you know, 30%, uh, which it, it, it may be, but I'll, I'll still eat the chalk because, you know, no one else can score 60 points. I'm so happy that I, where I grabbed him this year, because he, he just was, people were fading. I'm thinking, you know, that yes, the downgrade in the quarterback, but man, they were just going to spend some, I knew they weren't going to spend that money, not to just, not, not to just have him be, you know, uh, uh you know, a, a little ornament there. No, he was going to well, be used. 
part of the argument there too was that like Jalen Waddle was going to be, you know, oh, it's like a one A one B type situation, and I think it's clear at this point that that's it's that's not the case at all. I mean, Hill is the guy in that offense. He leads the league in first first read target share, which is a really cool fantasy points uh, data stat that that I have access to now, um, and that you know everyone will have access to very soon um, on fantasypoints.com. But yeah, when he's you know he's getting targeted on like forty percent of uh, Miami's plays as the first read, it's, it, you know, it's just absolutely absurd volume for a guy who's arguably the most talented wide receiver in the NFL. So yeah, he'll, he'll ended up being like a great basketball pick for anyone who grabbed him at like what wide receiver eight, wide receiver nine. Um, yeah. Really great value there. He's so fun. He's so fun oh, to yeah. watch. And a uh, great quick hola to uh, Amigo Joey. Joey, I got to buy your shirt, your Ohio shirt. So I got I got to get that one. And we got a question in the chat. Uh, Brian Dodson asking PPR Flex, Cook, Dylan, or Hines this week? Ooh. Oh, man, that's, that's a tough one. Um, I would I would lean I would lean towards Cooks. I, I'd imagine Cooks projects the best out of that group. Especially being it's, PPR. Yeah, yeah. It's it's tough because, you know, Aaron Jones has really been dominating backfield usage lately and it's you know, it's you really have no idea what Heinz role is gonna be in this in this first yeah. week in the new offense. So in any type of season long format, I generally just lean towards towards safety and that almost always means playing your highest projected player who I think in in this instance would would probably be Brandon Cooks as 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 gross as it is <laughs> yeah it's a tough one well that yeah. that's when you got six teams on by this these are the kind of lineups that we're that we're yeah. looking at uh you know that's that that's what we're looking at oh my goodness well mi amigo uh time to close up shop but i got one fun one for you you know i know you relocated down to the uh the the uh you know the uh, great state of georgia and uh have you been able to find good mexican food there yeah yeah we we actually found a, a pretty solid restaurant called uh called monterey um Ooh. which is yeah it's got you know they've got got great fajitas great uh great mexican food solid margaritas and stuff so um yeah definitely glad that we we found a, a great mexican restaurant and the best part about any mexican restaurant is that you get awesome food and a ton of it for like pretty cheap and their prices are are super reasonable so yeah, me and my girlfriend probably go there every every couple of weeks. It's, it's a good time. Oh man. Oh yeah. Oh, Dame overboard. She's she's flexing right now. Yes, I do have to buy the shirt because yes, we're playing in the FC Eliminator and I, I've already been eliminated, so I'm not get, I'm not getting that one. So uh yeah, not gonna backfire. You're you're gonna win. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep jumping up from uh the 27th spot in uh, overall in Scott Fishbowl. So uh, I'll keep, I was up to number seven, big guy. So Ooh, nice. uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was good. But uh, every, everybody took a, uh, took a little bit of a dump last week. So Josh Allen's going to carry me to an another big game this week. So hopefully uh, any, okay. So you, you, you tease a little bit stuff you're working on. Uh, obviously you get the, the, the weekly articles, what, what you got going on uh, as we close up shop and please point everybody to where they can find your stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you can get all my content on, on fantasypoints.com. Uh, I do four articles a week over there. Um, so yeah, you, you can find find all my stuff there and then follow me on Twitter uh, at Jake Trivia. Tweet out my, my article links, all the all the interesting stats that I find uh, during the week. Even if you aren't a Fantasy Points subscriber, I'm sure you can gain a little value by uh, by following me because I tweet out a lot of stuff that, that ends up behind uh, behind the paywall. But, you know, throw it up on my on my Twitter because, uh, yeah, I want to share with everyone and um, 
but yeah, fantasypoints.com is, is the main spot to go. Oh yeah, Familia. You know, uh, it's been it's been great. the The relationship with fantasypoints.com has been great. I've been meeting. I met so many great people like Jake uh, in there who've been who've been recurring guests on here, and just uh, people that we we use uh, you know one another as resources. It's just been phenomenal. So uh, I love uh, uh, mi amigo. Thank you so much for joining us today, and Familia. Thank you for joining us. And I just want to say one more time: make sure you're giving us a like and subscribe on YouTube, or if you're going to the audio, go to Apple, Google, Spotify. Thank you to Anchor for putting us out there on uh, uh, on all those platforms on the audio version. Again, go to fantasypoints.com. Use the promo code twenty two familia ten veinti dos familia diez. If you're doing it in Spanish, get that ten percent off. They've already slashed the price twenty five percent because uh, more than half the season has come out. Come out. You get such great stuff in there, familia. It's just it's just awesome. I mean. Uh, so much great insight of, and uh, and you actually get some great shows that you can get uh, exclusive access to. So just just phenomenal, phenomenal there. Uh, again, go to Jorge Martin 17, see my content, familiaffp.com. I'm pushing out articles on uh, on this, Adentro y Afuera, uh, with looking at all the games, the players I'm in and out on. And I, if I can find some time, I'm going to put together a DFS article. Probably uh, I'll, I'll borrow a couple of stats from, from Jake on there to drop them in there. So... Uh, but otra vez, to our invitado, muchas gracias, Jake. And to you, everybody, thank you for joining us. And remember, todos somos familia. Salud.